Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word, Father, for you have been forever, no beginning, no end. But Lord, you gave us your scriptures. You gave us your word to encourage us. You gave us your word to bring, us, bring life to us. You gave us your word to um, give us life that we might live. And gave us your word so we might know you and come into relationship with you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for Jesus Christ who came and died and rose for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Love. Love, give, serve, and grow. I titled mine, the topic this morning, love, but I titled it Extraordinary Love. And it is extraordinary. It's not just love. It's far beyond what we would know as love. For love from God underpins our Christian walk. It underpins our daily life. It's the basis upon which I can, I can call myself a follower of God, a follower of Christ. If it, if it wasn't for his love, I couldn't, but I can. Um, it's, it, it's the basis of our relationship with Jesus. And that's because it comes from him. It says that we love him because he first loved us. It doesn't originate in me or you. It comes from, from God himself. And also says in the Bible, it says God is love. And it says God is from and of, love is from and of God. And, and, and what that means is it's not just from God. It's not as if it's an addition to God and he can give it to us. Like I can give you something that's from my household. I can give you a pot and a pan or a kettle or I can give you a car or I can give you things. But then that's not of me. That's just from me. But the Bible says love is of God. And it's from his essence that love is given. And so that's why the Bible then, a couple of verses later says, love is God. God is love. Sorry, the other way around. It says God is love. Because it's from him that he gives. Not from what he has, but from his very being, from his very essence, love is given to us. And so we start to see the strength of this love of God, this extraordinary love that he has for us. And so I, I, want, to see, I want to say that see, we often think of love and we think of love as between a man and a woman. That's how it's portrayed, or between people, but it's portrayed like that to us all the time. I have a great love for my wife, but the love that I have for my wife is nothing compared to the extraordinary love that God has for us. And it's nothing compared to the extraordinary love that he wants us to have for the world. And we might not see it like that, because often I think, well, I love my wife more than anybody. More than anybody, I think. Committed to her. And yet God would say, no, he wants a love in me that's greater to flow out unto the world. God's ways, it says, are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his love is much, much greater than any love that we can manufacture. Any love that can come forth from us out of our own self, God's love is far, far higher. Same as his thoughts. He says that in Isaiah. He says, listen, my thoughts are far higher than your thoughts. 
your thoughts are diddly squat compared to my thoughts. You can't, you can't reason anything to me. Who can reason with God? Nobody. He says, my ways are far higher than your ways. And when he was speaking to Job, he says, who made the world? He says, but you're but, you're but a vapor. You come and you go. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us and he doesn't, wasn't trying to say at that point that we don't matter, but he's just trying to put it in perspective. God is God Almighty. And that which is of God is so much greater than that which is of us. Far, far greater. And it's that love I want to talk to about today. Last week, Peter, in vision, he talked, gave Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord, the thoughts that I think towards you, he said, the plans that I have for you are good and not for evil. Therefore, they're for a future and a hope. They're for an expected end. God's expected end. And what is that expected end? What is that, what's the future and hope that God has for us? And there's one, single one that covers all of us. And that's that we would be more like Christ. That we would, in our walk on this earth, be more like Christ. That the image of Christ would grow stronger and stronger in each one of us. It says in the scripture, and, and, and I think it was, it was Peter, in Peter's epistle, he's, t- he's encouraging us to walk righteously. He says, walk righteously, but God promises that you will be holy as he is holy. If we could have the next slide up, it, it, in, in Paul to the Corinthians, he's saying, we, with the veil removed, and the veil was our blindness. Before we were saved, we had a veil over our eyes. We couldn't see beyond the veil. We couldn't see the glory of God. But with salvation, the veil's been removed and we can now see God. And he says, and our faces can now see and reflect the glory of God. And that's like the moon reflecting the light of the sun. The moon's just a pale at night compared to the sun. And yet it reflects the light of the sun. And God would have us to be bright moons in the sky, reflecting his glory unto the earth. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his image. And so the purposes of, purposes of God is that we would be changed into his image, more and more like him. And you might say, well, what's that got to do with love? But you see, I'll get to that. But, but you see, God has a purpose because his promise unto us is that as, as this world, as wickedness continues and gets stronger in this world, and it does, in the last days wickedness will abound and the, wicked, and the world is in wickedness and darkness. Man can call what is good evil and tell you what's evil good. When people are confused and deceived, into, in, in, confused and deceived that there's a God or not, and most believe there's no God. God is not, not, not a real God. Or if there is a God, it's in their mind rather than the reality of God. Mankind rejects Christ as Lord. 
There's no longer teaching of scripture in schools. No longer, in many, many places, Bible in schools. Even today, no longer are prayers said. Or if there are, there's a stance against for the prayers to be said. And worse still, prayers that are said aren't said to the one true God. They're said to some other God. But when all that happens on the world, God says that he's going to raise up a people to shine his glory. Amen. And that people is you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that people are the people who are meeting in churches around this country today. He's going to raise up his church to shine a light. He's going to raise up, he's going to light a candle and put it on a candlestick that's going to give light to the whole house. He says in the last days he's going to pour his spirit out. That comes from Joel said that. And we know that happened back when Peter came from the upper room, but this happened right until the last days finished. Because those are the last days then and the last days now until Christ returns, which he is. And God's promise still remains. Habakkuk 2.4 says, The glory of God shall be seen throughout the whole earth. And we say, how can that happen? And it will happen at the same time as wickedness arises throughout the whole earth. Because God said, when wickedness abounds, my grace does much more abound. And so it will go forth. And the light of God will go forth around the earth. And many will believe. Sadly, many won't. And will reject God. But many will believe. And so that's why God is building a people to shine his glory. And you see, the glory of God cannot be shone without great love. Jesus came with great love. Love undergirded his coming. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For love God gave his only begotten son. Extraordinary love. He says, I'll give my son for you. I mean, if you asked me, lucky I'm not God, you wouldn't get my son for you lot. <laughs> God wants to change that in me and change my heart so that I would be prepared to give for you lot. Would you give everything for me? How much would you give for me? How much would you give for your neighbor? How much? God says, he gave his only begotten son to go and die on a cross that we might have life. Hallelujah. Oh, what a love it is. And it's much more than we can imagine. The Bible tries to describe God's love. And it's much, much more than a love between a man and a woman. The best it goes and the closest it goes, but it says it's far short, is the love a mother has for a newborn child. See, that love is not taught. A, a, a woman slowly gets larger, she has the baby, and then the baby is born. And the love overwhelms her heart for that baby. It comes. It's not taught. It just happens to her. She gets in love with that baby. She has a love for that child. You know, that child can't even respond, really. Not in its early days, it doesn't. It doesn't even respond, but her love is strong. 
It persists. It persists even though that baby will squawk, do other things, and squawk, and feed, and squawk, and that's all it does, and sleep. First five, five weeks, it doesn't do much more. But her love persists. Her love's hot. I call it hot and fervent. It's serious emotions. She loves that child. You go and take that child off the mother and she'll grieve for that child. Oh, a terrible grief. Why? Because she loves. Because that love has come into her and she'll have a mother's love for that child. It's urgent. It's possessive. It's protective. You see it in the animal kingdom. You see where this animal shows, the show nature shows, and you see the lioness with her cubs and the big lion comes along and he's going to wipe out those little lions and she'll fight for them and he'll kill those cubs, but, he, but she'll fight to the death for them. A mother's love. Mothers will protect their children no matter what. And God's love is much, much, much more than that. Much, much, much more than that. Much more. It's all those and more. All those doubled down and multiplied more. He loves. And he's calling us to that love. He's calling us to that love. Not a, not a human love. He's calling us to his love. He's saying, come and love others as I have loved you. Come and love my love to others. In Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Is that the next scripture? Did I put that one up there? Oh, no, we'll, we'll just leave that one. The first one is Matthew 20, 22, 36 to 40. And, and the lawyer's asking question, Jesus a question. And he says, what's the greatest commandment? They're trying to trick him, but we won't go into that. They ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers, and he says, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. But then he, he, answered, the first, he answered the question, you see. He said, what's the greatest commandment? And he gave it to them, but then he added. And he said, there's a second commandment, which is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is answering their question, but answering it before he's doubling down on their question, he's opening the question up much more because he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and then it, the scriptures go on to tell us all the law and the prophets, everything else hang on those two commandments. Those two commandments sum up everything else in here, it says. All the law and the scripture is summed up into those two commandments, he says. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we look into that, we start to see what he's talking about. He's saying love your neighbor with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I'm your neighbor, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He goes further than that, though. 
See, because first we say, well, who is my neighbor? That's, we won't go there with, to this morning. But God says something in Matthew 5, 43 and 46, which I think is already up there. And God, in a sense, expands this because he says, you've heard it, that it's been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that seems to us, if we were unsaved, quite reasonable. Love those who love you and those who don't love you. Diss them. Put them aside. Go on to something else. Don't bother about them. Go and find some people who love you. Join with them. That's the way of the world. That's the way I was. And in a large part, still am now. And God is wrestling and changing that and the Holy Spirit's working in that to change that within me. And dare I say it, I believe he's changing it in each one of you. He's seeking to change it in each one of you. See, because he goes on to say, I say, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Whoa. That's tough. Yeah. Love your enemies. Love those. Bless those that hate you. Bless implies an action. It's not me just standing here and saying, oh, bless him, Lord. He's over there and he hates me. Bless him. Bless implies that I go and do something. I bless him. You're blessed when somebody comes and does something for you. Cooks you a meal, cleans your house, gives you a car. You're blessed. Somebody in this auditorium came and gave you the keys to a car today and said, your car's out there in the, in the parking lot. You'd go home and say, I'm blessed. Look, somebody gave me a car. Hallelujah. It's an action. Bless means it's an, it, it turns into something. It's not a thought. I can't bless you with a thought. Oh, I'm thinking about you now. Very good thought for you. Doesn't bless you at all. It's got to be action. And God's calling us, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. And they curse you again, bless them. And they curse you again, bless them. And they curse you again, bless them. See, the church that God rises up will be like Christ. Christ heard them crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He stood there as they got that crown of thorns and jammed it on his head. And it wasn't just that soldier putting it on his head. It was the whole nation of Israel cramming it on his head. Die. Take him out there and kill him. And his heart never wavered. He blessed them. He blessed them with his life. He blessed them with his love he's, as he's blessed us. And God says, I want you to love as my son loved. Because if we go to the next slide, please. And he gives the reason. He says that you might be children of your father, which is in heaven. See, he wants the love to shine through us so that we people would know that you are children of God. You are a true son of God, they'll say. Wow, she's like Jesus Christ. Wow, that man's like Jesus Christ. Wow, that person's been changed into the image of Jesus because of the love that comes forth. Because you bless those that curse you. That you love your enemies who hate you. That you pray for those who despitefully use you. See, and it's not all backroom closet stuff, as I tried to point out. 
It's not, oh, I can, go, I can go silently over here and pray for you if you hate me. Think, oh, Lord, I'm fulfilling your command. But no, 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 he says, you've got to bless them. Take action. Love ends up in action. I can't say I love my wife and do nothing. Keep my mouth shut. I told her when I married her, I loved her. 43 years later, I haven't said it again. You can seriously question whether I love her. She will be by that point. Does this guy love me? Said it on the wedding day, hasn't said it since. I have to do things. And I want to do things. It comes voluntarily. It's not about my behavior. It's what comes out of my heart. And she knows if it's coming from my heart or not. She knows that if I've just driven home and thought, ah, I better get some flowers and I stop into the supermarket, which I did this. Once I got some flowers and took them home. It wasn't quite the reaction I expected. She wants me to love her from my heart, not from my convenience. It's different. It comes from your heart. So how do we get it? Because you know you can't fulfill that. Love your enemies. You can't do that. If you think you can do that, you will fail. That's my good news for you this morning. And it's good news for you. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot fulfill the command of God of love your enemies as yourself. Bless them that curse you. You can set off to do that. Many a young Christian will say, I'll do that and then I'll fail. I'll do that again and I'll fail again. Because as he pours scorn on me or curses me, he or she, I will in the end, the old man in me will react and I will resist them. I'll be like I do often. Sadly, I'll just avoid them. They curse me and don't like me. I'll diss them. I'll just go and live over here. They can go and live over there. I'll just ignore them. Won't have much to do with them. That solves the problem, doesn't it? Well, it does from an earthly viewpoint, but it doesn't from a godly viewpoint. From a godly viewpoint, I have to approach them and love them. From an worldly viewpoint, I just ignore them. Seriously, I've done that a lot of times in my life. I'll ignore them. When I'm forced to face them because he might be my boss at work, oh, I'll grizzle and groan. The Holy Spirit will work in me. And slowly I'll change my attitude towards them. Slowly. Oh, I pray for God it would be much quicker. Because God would want me to love him. To show his love, to shine his love towards him. Not by my righteous living, but by a love that flows from me that I would bless him. See, the, God wants us to get this one right. It's a huge command. And the church will not shine until the church loves. See, the church might have all the knowledge, be able to preach wonderful sermons on the theologies, on the tabernacle of David, on the tabernacle of Moses. I might be able to tell you lots of things, but they mean nothing unless the love of God, unless the love of God abides in my heart, not the love that I can generate within myself, but the love of God that's in my heart. That love that loves the enemy. That love that loves those that curse you. That love that loves those who persecute you, who do despiteful things to you. 
Ah, then we see the love of God if that arises in me. It's supernatural and it comes from God. It is extraordinary love. And that's where it comes from. We have to go to God to get it. I can't manufacture it. There's another thing about love. And love is the one thing that can go anywhere and penetrate anything. There's no law against love. You read in Galatians 5 when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It finishes that by saying, against which there is no law. You see, there's law against knowledge. I don't know why there is a law against knowledge, but there is. If there's a person who believes something and you can come to them with all the other knowledge that what they believe is wrong and you can tell them and you can lay it all out with great reasoning and they can resist it and they'll walk away from you resisting, that, resisting what you say. There's a worldly saying, convince a man against his will, he's of his own opinion still. And it's true, in a sense, that is. People who believe something and they got an ideology about things, you can come to them and you can explain, you can show why it's not, shouldn't be like that. And they resist it. But against love, they can't resist. Love undoes. Love penetrates. The walls of Jericho, they were thick walls and they were mightily built walls. And the people of Jericho, I don't know what they were called, Jerichoans, I don't know. They were living in their side there. And when the, when the Israelites came and walked around, they stood on those walls and they'd have been cheering and jeering at them. What are you doing out there? You, you can, you can play your, blow your trumpets and, and be silent as you walk around these walls, but these walls will not fall down. But we know the story and we know what actually happened. They blew the trumpets and gave a shout and what happened? Those walls fell down. Those walls just disassembled and collapsed. They were big block walls. These are big stones that people have built over the years, hundreds of years, and they built these big stones and there were actually houses within those walls. So they were big, thick walls. And they'd mortared those stones and placed them carefully together and they, were, they took many, many men to lift them and they were not going to be pushed down easily. But when that shout rang out and the trumpet blew, those stones disassembled and they rumbled and fell down. And the Israelite army ran over a low wall into the city. And that's what God speaks about when he says, against love there is no law. A heart might be hard. A heart might be unbelieving and hard and resistant and believe all sorts of things. And you can go to that heart with all the reason and theology in the world and you will make no dent. But you go with the love of God and it will disassemble before you. And love will go in. And the Holy Spirit will take that love and place it in that man or woman's heart and they will see that veil will be taken from their eyes and they will see that there is God. And they will have a choice to make. To believe him or not. But their heart will know that there is a God. And that's why Habakkuk can say the glory of God will be over the whole earth and the knowledge of God will be across the whole earth because the love of God will have gone forth from the church, from you and me. 
and it will go forth into people's lives. It's a, it's a strong word. It's love. And often we like to think, oh, love, that's a great value to have. It's a great value to have, love. And it is a great value to have. It's the most important. Oh, but it's challenging to us. It's going to turn your life upside down. I've got to love and bless that man who hates me. I've got to bless him. That woman who dislikes me, I've got to bless her. I've got to not just avoid her. I've got to allow myself to be in the same vicinity. And when I'm in the same vicinity, not to hold aloof and look away and talk to the person I like and not talk to the person who hates me. I've got to love them. I've got to bless them. That's what he's called us to. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those. Do good to them that hate you. Do good. Action. Now, it's not action that God wants. He wants action because he wants us to change us. Am I doing any good to those? Am I doing them good? Because if I'm not doing them good, I'm not showing myself as a son of the God in heaven. Because the son of the God in heaven lays himself down for those who hate him. For the son of the God in heaven lays himself down for those who would cry out, crucify him. He lays himself down for them. See, God's love has not, doesn't alter. He loved us and every the world when he gave his son. But that love continues on. And he's wanting to show that love no longer through his son, but through his son's body, which is the church, with Christ as the head. And he wants to show that love to the world through the church. And it requires us to love as Christ loved, so that we are changed into his likeness, so that what we do and how we speak comes from a heart of love. Not from a knowledge of the gospel, but from a heart of the gospel. And there's a vast difference. And it's inside here. That's the difference. To do that, we have to trust God. Really trust God. Because it's hard to go to those who hate you or don't like you and love them. It's hard. And then you do it, and they remain just the same. They don't like you. <laughs> you go, and you go, oh, I'll do good. I'll, I'll try. I'll, Lord, I will do it. And they're just the same. They'll speak bad about you. You'll hear it from somebody else. That they're still mouthing off about you. They still don't like you. Or if they might be your boss, he still rags on you every day. He rags harder and more. Oh, you think, what am I doing? And that's when we need to trust God and know God. Because God says. See, when, it was on the, when Jesus was on the cross and he cried, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They all didn't fall down and say, oh, that's God. Some did. Some thought, he's got to be the son of God. But the others who hard hearts still remained hard and they still cursed them. And people walk around the earth today cursing God. Cursing Him. Same people, 
Different people, but the same people, if you know what I mean. It still continues. But that doesn't stop God's love going forth. God's love pours forth from his throne every day over the earth. Why? Because he wants men and women to be saved, to come to know him, to come into relationship with him. That's what he wants. And he's chosen you and me to shine his light. He's chosen us. And so that's why it's a value of the church. He doesn't want you to be like Peter. Peter before Christ died. Because when they came to get Christ and take him, Peter whipped out a sword and cut their servant's ear off. Seemed a sensible thing to do. To protect his friend. They were going to come and take his friend away. His master. And so he hauled out a sword and whip, the ear went off. But what did Jesus do? What did the son of the father do? The son of the father stooped down and picked up the ear and put it back on the head and healed it. So he doesn't want us to be sword wielders as in slashing. He wants us to be healers, peacemakers, people who pick up the odd part and put it back on the head. That's what the son does. The son of God, if we're a true son of God, we make peace. We do everything to make peace. Everything. And we say, Lord, you don't want me to go that far to make peace, surely. And God will say quietly in your ear, my son laid down his life to make peace. Are you prepared to lay down your life? Will you trust me enough with your life to lay it down? Because God says, I will look after your life. I will look after your life. The world might say it's foolishness. Your friends, even your Christian friends might look at you and say, you are foolish doing that. But in your heart of hearts, you'll hear God saying, my son laid down his life. Yeah, can you trust me to lay down your life? Can you trust me to love and bless those who know me, those that would hate you, those that are against you? And how do you do it? Because you can't do it in your strength. You've got no show. We do it by going to God. You've got to get on your knees and ask God for strength. Lord, give me strength. Lord, give me strength. Lord, change me. Have your Holy Spirit change my heart. Ask him to change your stony heart. Lord, and I've asked him this. Ask, change, Lord, change my stony heart. Turn it into a heart of flesh. Turn it so it's a heart that would be similar to Christ's, not from the old man, Dan Ogle, who would have a heart whose heart would just tell him to avoid it, avoid the situation, whose heart would say, just turn his back and just forget about them. I can live my life over in my home, in my job, well away from them. He said, I want you to do that. I want you to go and be over with them, and I want you to shine your, my light to them. And we have to trust him. Trust him for his vision. Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a future and a hope for me and for you. And that future and a hope for me and for you is to make us like Christ. And we have to trust him that in the midst of that circumstance, he'll make us like Christ. He'll make us more and more with the heart of Christ. So there's three things there. We go to him in prayer to change us. 
We go to him to change us. And we go to him and trust him to change us. And he will. That's his promise to us. You come to me and I'll change you. My Holy Spirit will work within you to make you holy as I'm holy. My Holy Spirit will work within you to bring you to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's our vision. To be a people who would shine unto this world. Sure, there'll be lots of other things that we need to do. Out of that, missions will flow. Out of that, other things will flow. But it starts first with the love of God abiding in our heart that comes from him and is not manufactured by me because I cannot manufacture such an extraordinary love. I don't want and never have wanted to love my neighbor or my enemy or those that hate me. But God changes my heart so I start to want to love them. And then he, he changes my heart so I start to put feet to that love in my heart for them. And so then I speak to them and pray for them and dare I say it, even start to do things to bless them. And that's what God's calling each one of us to. That's his glorious church. His glorious church set on a hill will shine a light unto the world because there is no law against love. There's nothing that can withstand love. It can penetrate the hardest of hearts. It can undo. I remember preaching here many years ago and I spoke about Mother Teresa. And I finished my preaching and I'd mentioned her and somebody said to me as I got down, don't you know that she was a Catholic? And I said, well, <laughs> I didn't say anything at the time. But you know, I don't mind, I don't know what her theology was, it is, but I do know that she had a love that touched her heart for people. Amen. And she raked up the unlovely and the unforgotten, the forgotten. I say raked them up, but gathered them in. When others weren't, when people like me would just walk on by, she gathered them in and cared for them. And that was the love of God working through her. You see, we don't get love by knowledge. Love comes by spending time with God and understanding what God wants you to be who he's called you to be. And the call is on each one of us. And it goes your whole life and never finishes. The call to love. The field is white unto harvest. And God is looking for laborers of the harvest. But the laborer for the harvest is unfit if he's not carrying the love of God in him. You can go out there with your sickle and scythe and start hacking around and you wonder why you gathered so little. Because you don't have the love of God. It's the love that brings the harvest in. It's the love that gathers. We can have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, as we come to sing a song and just worship you quietly. I pray, Lord, that my word, the word that I felt to speak this morning, which I believe came from you. I know, Lord, you have a great work to do in my heart. Lord, I thank you for the work you have done in my heart. But I pray for a greater work. That I will be changed into the image of Christ. 
That image being love. That image being a love for the unloved. That image being a love for the sinner. That image being a love for those that would cry out, crucify him. I pray that over every person here. And Lord, I believe that that never stops because I know none of us ever come into the fullness of the image of Christ. That will only occur when we see him, when he returns. So I pray, Lord, that we all open our hearts and have your Holy Spirit work in us to bring forth a love that is extraordinary, a love that the people will look upon and say, those people, they're disciples of God. I can tell because of their love one for another. And then they will also say, those people, I can tell that they're children of God because of their love for the world. Not that they love the world, but they love the people in the world. Love them enough, even though those people are trudging on their way to damnation. Love them enough to go and bless them. Love them enough to seek to rescue them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, your Holy Spirit within each one of us to work within us to change us. Thank you, Lord, that your promises that you will light a candlestick candle and put it on a candlestick and it will give light unto the whole house. Thank you, Lord, for your promise that you will raise again the tabernacle of David, a tent set on a hill that contained the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your promise that your glory will go throughout the whole earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 